Welcome to the Founders Keepers podcast, interviews that explore the stories behind founders of change-making businesses in social impact, healthcare, and health tech industries, and what makes those founders tick. I'm your host, Dr. Grace Hassan, and this week I'm joined by Dr. Harvinder Power, the CEO and co-founder of Motix. Motix is an app platform geared towards helping patients with muscle rehabilitation and physiotherapy needs. Through a series of wearable sensors and a gamified approach, Motix users receive actionable insights into their muscle function, while electrical signals help them understand which muscles to use during rehabilitation and exercise. Harvinder holds degrees in both medicine and biomedical engineering, and co-founded Motix to support a family member with their physiotherapy needs. Motix has received multiple awards since its inception, including from Kickstarter GHP, and Harvinder was additionally named the Global Champion of the 2020 Global Student Entrepreneur Awards. In this episode, we cover everything from a love of Nintendo to building up mental resilience, and the power of community and networking. Let's get started. Harvinder, I'm aware that there is a very personal motivation behind starting Motix for you. So can you tell me about yourself and the journey that led you to where you are now? Yeah, so my name's Harvinder. I'm a medical doctor by trade. Uh, I started Motix when I was in my fourth year of medical school during my bioengineering uh, integrated year. And the motivation for Motix really came from a very personal story for me. So it was actually with my dad. So he had sciatica, which, you know, many, many people do. But he never did the exercises for his rehab. And it meant that he still struggled with the pain for quite a while. But what I found actually that worked for him was using the Nintendo Wii. So it was, it was quite something to see. So he set up the old Wii that we had in the basement took it out, set it up and started doing wee bowling. And he found that he loved it and really helped him to really do his exercises and helped his pain. And so we thought about, look, what makes the Nintendo Wii great was actually the gamification. And it clearly appealed to the market. And we thought about how can we make that something really useful for both clinicians and patients alike. And so I met my co-founder, Selena, um, at a student incubator program called Kickstarts. And that was in fourth year. And um, yeah, from there, the idea span out. We started with stroke rehab broaden out the focus to general physiotherapy and you know here we are four years later now with product starting some pilot trials and looking to get to market early next year excellent it's a question I've, I've never asked but out of pure curiosity do you think it was your personal experiences alone that led you into this entrepreneurial journey and slightly away from perhaps more traditional clinical medicine or have you always had an entrepreneurial spirit i think i would probably describe myself more as a problem solver um i think i just like solving problems by my nature and i think that aligns quite well with entrepreneurial spirit. Um, what you'll probably find, you know, if you start developing your own company is that pretty much every day you'll have new problems and new challenges that you'll face. And really every day is about problem solving. And I think that's what really appealed to me about it. So I think it was more discovering myself a career where that matched pretty well. And initially that's in medicine, but actually I'm finding that even more so as an entrepreneur. So tell me more about Motix. What does it do? Who is it targeted at? How does it work? Yeah, so Motix is a wearable solution. So the wearable basically gamifies your rehab and gives you data analytics to help you to optimize your recovery. So what that looks like uh, in action, and we can actually see if we can get video shared up, is uh, basically a wearable that connects to whatever muscle group you're using. So you put it on your arm, let's say, you do your rehab movements to control the game. And at the end of your session, you get all the data from your movements. So you see exactly your muscle activation, how fast you're moving, your range of motion, all the key metrics that really drive your recovery. And from there, we then use machine learning to optimize your rehab. So we can see which exercises are working better for you, which ones aren't working well for you, and then optimize your rehab on the fly and say, hey, next session, we need to mix things up a bit and try these new exercises, which are better for you. 
And in terms of your market research, what when you first came up with the idea for Motix, did you see what else was on the market? How did you differentiate yourself from your competitors in this enormous wearables industry? Yeah. So when we started Motix, we actually did things the reverse way to uh, most startups. So rather than looking at the competition, we actually just developed what we thought would be the minimum viable product and then go from there and, and then look at the competitors, which is a very different way of doing things. More because of the fact that we didn't know how to build a business when we started. We just knew how to solve a problem. So we looked at the, the fundamentals of the issue in terms of essentially adherence to physiotherapy, because that's a fundamental core of what we're addressing. And we looked at what are the key drivers for that. So the lack of motivation, the lack of feedback, the lack of enjoyment in the process. And we solved those issues one by one. And by looking at from a very different perspective, very much a user-focused approach rather than a market-focused approach, we were really able to solve the issue at a more fundamental level and actually differentiate ourselves naturally from our competitors, which is what we found. And if I can ask, what's your business model then? And how did you go about getting your first customer? Yeah, so our business model is a bit different as well. So the existing technologies that are what we probably class as similar. So for example, electrical muscle stimulation devices or other sort of adjunct devices in the physiotherapy space really focus on a single pricing model. So they'll charge, let's say, 600 to 900 pounds for a single device, which they'll charge to the physio who can then rent it out to you as a patient for, let's say, 50 to 90 pounds a month on average. And that works well to some degree, but actually what we found with our physio is that they can't really afford this huge device cost. So we switched up the model. So actually, fundamentally, the patient is gaining the most benefit. So we believe the patient should pay for that benefit as well. It helps them to optimize their rehab. And so it's really for them. So in our model, the physios actually get the platform for free, but the patients ultimately will end up paying a small amount per month. So we're looking at about £30 a month realistically. And can you share how many customers you have now? So that's something that uh, we're still keeping it close to the chest, unfortunately, because we're going through a bit of an investor phase. But uh, what I can say is that actually we're about to start our third pilot trial. So we're actually recruiting actively the physiotherapists to test our platform for ACL recovery. So we're going to run a 10-week trial looking at ACL patients in particular in the first 10 weeks of their rehab and uh, see how much we can optimize their recovery there. And what would you say is the scrappiest thing that you've had to do so far for the business? Tough question. I think Every day is about being scrappy. And I think the initial challenge was how do we get physiotherapists involved in our platform, involved in what we're building, essentially. And it's a real, it's a real challenge in health tech in general for a, an industry that's quite, what I would describe as stoic. And by that, I mean, quite resistant to change. And I think that's true of most healthcare professionals in that we're very ingrained in well-defined methods and only believe in evidence-based research as a gold standard of driving change in the field. And what we found is actually that we had to change our narrative from very much a sales-focused pitch to a vision-focused pitch, to saying, hey, look, we're building the future physiotherapy. We're evidence-backed. We're looking to drive the next generation of physiotherapy and use research to do so. And we'd love to bring you on for the journey. You're one of the partners rather than one of our customers. And that, that's what really resonated with them. And we found that actually a lot more physiotherapists were really keen to get on top of the platform once we changed up how we phrase things. And speaking of um, perhaps stoicism, but also um, things being almost antiquated, antiquated in our industry, did you experience any pushback against introducing something like this other than what you've mentioned so far about perhaps having to pivot to rephrase your message, as it were? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
it's so true because we we initially started our company pre-COVID. So we started twenty eight end of twenty eighteen, beginning of twenty nineteen. And for us, the pushback was quite immense in that early phase because we found that physiotherapists weren't really keen to try out new technologies. They weren't seeing the real motivation. They weren't seeing the benefits it would add to them and to their clinics. But all of that really changed once COVID started. And the real value that we provide to them is actually enabling remote physiotherapy at a scale that they previously couldn't do. And so we found that actually we were quite fortunate in that domain, in that the landscape had really shifted since COVID came around and had actually turned it into our favor, where a lot more physiotherapists were reaching out saying, we need to try out something new, we need some new technologies to enable us to deliver the same level of care that we can, but remotely and at a greater scale. Because the second problem that we're seeing post-COVID is that the number of physiotherapists across the UK has dropped off quite significantly as well. And that's a huge challenge because there's more and more patients needing physiotherapy and there are fewer physiotherapists than in the last couple of years. And so is there anything in particular that you're doing with Motix as well to encourage either that retention or to appeal directly to physiotherapists to maybe work with you, even if they've perhaps left the NHS? So what we're really focused on is actually how can we really enable physiotherapists to do their practice at scale? And what we're really focused on is the physiotherapists who are still in practice, who are really struggling with the amount of clients they're getting through and trying to manage all of them at the same time and have huge waiting lists. How do we really help them to enable them to really deliver the same care that they want to in the clinic, but actually do that also remotely with the same benefits that they can achieve? And I think that was something that a lot of companies we've seen have really struggled with and something we definitely struggled with in the early days in terms of value proposition and what we could deliver to these to these customers and also to patients alike. But what we really found actually is that the best way to do that is to spend time in the clinics. We found that by spending time with the physios and with our patients, we found that actually we were able to understand at a much deeper level what that relationship is really about, what the key elements of that dynamic are really looking into. You know, What about the adherence and how can we really drive an improved adherence between the, the patient and the physio? And I think once we were able to really sort of understand that difference in ideology, it started to click as to how we can really enable physios to deliver really effective care, but also remotely and at scale. And following on from that, are there any particular standout challenges that you'd say you've faced so far as a founder? You talked about going through an investment round at the moment. Is there anything else perhaps around that that might stand out? Yeah, so really, I think the biggest challenge is, I guess, the mental burden of being a founder of a company at a very early stage. I think every day, you know, we talked about challenges earlier and every day is a new challenge. And understandably, that drives a lot of mental burden and also burnout as well on founders, which is a really common problem. And that's quite sad to say, but it's the truth of the matter, really. And, you know, for me, I had to learn very quickly about mental resilience and how to really build up my tolerance to stress, but also how to manage it better as well. And understanding that it's part of the day to day. But you need to have a way of actually managing that overall because it's a very long journey. And, you know, most most companies will eventually fail, but actually the ones that do succeed have really good structures to manage this burnout at a really early stage. And, you know, for us, we're quite lucky because we've got lots of friends who've also started companies. We're part of an incubator program at the moment as well, where lots of the companies are there at a very similar stage to us. We're all having the same problems. And it's really great that we can just go to each other and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Like, how did you guys fix this? Or how did you guys get around the problem? And there's just no shortage of people who are willing to help you. And that's been really valuable and a really good lesson in actually the power of community and the power of a network and how it can really help you grow together. And you are 
CEO as well as co-founder of Motix. Can you tell me what does a typical workday look like for you if such a typical day exists? <laughs> uh, typical is a tough one. I think it changes so much day to day. So some days could be work, you know, doing software development because a lot of our company is focused around algorithm, basically algorithmically determining how your muscle function is changing over time. So I do a lot of software development some weeks. Some other weeks, we're looking at the new hardware that we need to develop. Some other weeks, it's patents. Some other days, it's focused on legal stuff and trademarking issues and patenting and any other elements around that, regulatory. So I think it's really hard to narrow down what a typical day looks like. But on average, I would say, you know, it's a bit of everything. I think that's the truth of most early stage startups and especially ones in health tech is that you kind of have all of these things going through your head at any one time but probably in small amounts throughout the day. And I think what you then start to develop is actually how you then tie everything together and how they all link to each other, because that's really how you develop your products is by considering these small things together and how they all interlink and then taking things one step further forwards. You mentioned an incubator that you're part of with Motix. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sort of why an incubator appealed to you? What support you've gained from it? Would you recommend it to others? You don't have to name it specifically, but maybe just your experience of being part of an incubator. Yeah, no, no worries. So um so yeah, we're actually part of Techstars, which will be official as of tomorrow, hopefully. Uh so um yeah, so we're part of Techstars. We've been fortunate enough to get support from the entire Techstars team who've actually been fantastic. Um, you know, particularly Celine, Matilda, Harriet and Claire have just been absolutely amazing. And they've been really, really formative in terms of developing our value proposition and really nailing down our focus in terms of how we go from all these crazy ideas as to what we want to build into a tangible product and offering that is really focused at the early stage on providing maximum value to our customers. And I think that's what we've struggled with over the last couple of years, really developing motives is that we're really great at thinking about, hey, there's so many things we could build. We could build, you know, this feature and that feature and, you know, spend hours and hours in going into that. And that's great. But at a certain stage, it really pays to just hone the focus down and just build out the core value of the products. And I think that's what Techstars have been really, really valuable in offering is just that clarity in terms of what our value is and how do we deliver that. And what can we expect in the next, say, 12 to 24 months from Motix? Yeah, so an exciting time, hopefully. So our next three to four months, we're going to be running our next uh, pilot study. So we're looking at ACL injuries in particular. We're going to run it with a few patients that we've got lined up and a few clinics in London. Uh, and from there, we're then going to analyze all the data and then look to scale things up to a commercial launch, hopefully mid to late next year. And in that process, we're probably going to end up fundraising to help us develop our offering, get some more team members to really enable us to scale effectively. So quite a few things to think about, but right now we're focused very much on our next pilot trial. What do you think personally has been the biggest contributor to your success? I think it's a tough one, but being very honest about it, I think the biggest contributor is actually just the community. The community around me as an individual, but also the company as well. And I think it's really important to remember that actually around there are so many people around you who are willing to support you on that journey. And it is a very tough journey being a founder, but actually everyone there who's supporting you is really part of that journey as well. They're seeing your highs, they're seeing your lows, and they're there with you and helping you along the way. And I think that's been really important. You know, my mum, for example, has been absolutely amazing, just always supporting me as well. And particularly the textiles community as well, like the other co-founders on the program, 
all been amazing. We've all been very supportive of each other, what we're all doing. And I think that's added so much value and just given everyone a bit of an extra push every day. When things get a bit tough, it just helps to have a bit of a push saying, hey, look, don't worry, we'll help you. We'll figure this out together and we'll all go forwards together. And I think that's been quite amazing to see, really. And what are you most optimistic about regarding the future of Motix, as well as more broadly the digital healthcare ecosystem in general? Yeah, I think now is an amazing time for digital health. I think COVID's really accelerated the adoption of these new technologies that have been perhaps sitting around for a couple of years. But we've now seen an absolute skyrocket in adoption since COVID really started and is essentially still having an impact even now. And I'm really excited to see the use of precision medicine and really the use of data analytics at scale to really drive really improved outcomes in patient recovery in terms of treatments, all the above. And I think we're going to see a paradigm shift now where we go from an era of research-driven medicine to very personalized-driven medicine and taking that to the next stage of actually your medicine, your treatment, your therapies, really derived by your biometrics, by your genomics, all of the above. And I think that's going to be a real paradigm shift and something I'm really excited to see. Would you do anything differently if you were to start again? <laughs> I think that's a, it's a tough question. I think the obvious answer would be yes. I would try not to make every single mistake that I did the first time round. But in reality, that's how we learn, isn't it? And I think I'm not sad that we made mistakes. I think we learned a lot from that process. And I think what I'd do is make the same decisions I probably would the same time around. And lastly, is there any other advice that you would give to would-be business founders, either looking to follow in your footsteps or perhaps more generally? So, yeah, that's a great question. I think I think it changes based on the time of day you've asked me. <laughs> I think the honest answer to that is be really clear why you're starting a company. I think for me, it was a very personal decision. It was very much something that a problem that I wanted to solve for a very personal reason. And I think that was a big part of the reason why we're still here today, four years later, even through COVID, going through med school, Selena going through PhD. It's, it's a lot to go through in those early stages and it's a lot to build out. And I think just remembering essentially what your North Star is, like what are you building towards, is so valuable because it really helps you really hone your focus but also continue to drive that motivation into why you're building the company on a day-to-day basis. And so I would say that's probably my best piece of advice is really have a very clear North Star and just remember that everything you do should be going towards that North Star. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Founders Keepers. And if you have, please consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a review on whatever listening platform you are using. Be sure to tune in next time for another Founders Story.